is Carolina, but Carolina works, and this is I See You, stories of an immigrant making home on a gentrifying block of Portland, Oregon. Chapter 2, My Year of Noise. The sound of crows is Portland to me, and the train horns throughout the night. Bobby's animated dinner parties next door. The redhead twins behind our house who are often fighting. Our millennial neighbors' parties. Or the guy who would sing in the middle of the night. and then go quiet again. My first urban love was Sao Paulo, Brazil. Sao Paulo is a monster of a noisy city. Portland pales in that sense. I love the sound of cities, but as a parent, my right to a good night's sleep is a measure of the quality of my life. I don't know that good sleep is a right, but it would make sense to legislate around that. I feel like I've inherited from my mother this notion of a social contract that exists when you choose to care. Brazil at times can be an extreme example of not caring, with its unregulated environment where so much gets done haphazardly and the notion of the common good isn't really on the table. The World Health Organization points out that even severe annoyance with noise is considered an adverse effect on health and that it leads to negative moods and emotions, stress-related symptoms like fatigue, and of course, more stress. The name of the understand is Fred Washington. Big, big money, alias, you understand, Double Mac, alias, you understand, Sweet Train, comedian by trade, you understand, hustler by heart. <laughs> Fred is a large man who wears oversized t-shirts and a hose on his head. Soon after we moved to his block, I left the house with my kids in the bike trailer. Fred had his car in the middle of the street, which he often did. He shouted at me to go the other way. I told him not to be rude and maneuvered my bike around him. Later that day, I told him I didn't appreciate how he had talked to me and his swearing in front of the kids. I told him we needed to figure out how to be good neighbors. He apologized and said he had been stressed earlier. But then, a few weeks later, Fred had friends over and they were hanging on his porch, blasting really loud music at midnight. I walked over with my confrontation-averse husband trailing behind me. I told Fred my children were trying to sleep and that there was a newborn across the street. He grunted. They turned the music down. Fred was pretty short with me after that, and now I wanted to interview him. He eventually agrees, but doesn't give me a specific time. So when I finally see him washing his car, I take a deep breath and just walk out with the microphone. Hey, Fred. Hey, I don't have time for today, baby. Real busy all week. That's all right, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. My voice goes up a little. It sounds like I'm nervous. What do you, what do you want to know, 
I've sat down with everybody from Barbara to Jackie. Well, as I told you, it's no rush. I just want to make sure that we find the time before summer's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep trying to nail a specific time, which is how I do things, but it doesn't mean it's how other people do things. My failure to flow is at the heart of what I resist. So what do you want me to do? Do you want me to what? come and ask you what at some that point? That's my microphone. Shit. Holy shit, what are you talking about? I am a humble artist, my friend. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Can you get a hook up with the Irish? Give me some cocaine. I'm not Irish. Artist. Irish. Artist. Oh, artist. Yeah. I thought you said Irish. No, I'm from Brazil. I'm, I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even from. I'm trying to get a connection. No, I, I'm from Brazil. I'm not Irish. Yeah, I'm from. I'm trying to get a hook up. I'm from South America. I hear myself needing so much to make the point that I'm not from here. I wish I could explain to Fred that U.S. white isn't me. But then again, I have the privilege of a lighter-skinned Latin American, and I definitely can't claim the U.S. brown narrative as my own, so... So I'm neither here nor there. What do you want to know? Well, I have a little list of questions that I've been asking everyone, and it's... Like what? Well, mostly about their experience in the neighborhood, and you're the one that has been here the longest, so your insight is, is that the is most true. interesting. That is true. Hold on. Uh, don't worry, Fred. Take care of it, man. I'll be right now. Can't pay with you. I don't have no money right now. It's been two years, brother. It could be three more years. Well, so, so, so here's the thing, Fred. I, I grew up in Brazil. Yeah. My experience in the U.S. since I've been here has only been in gentrifying neighborhoods. And I decided to investigate that, just to understand where I fit in and... Fit in where you can get in. I get in anywhere I go. Shit, they don't have nothing but their mouth. I'm a, I'm a true believer in, uh, if you respect me, you're gonna give respect. But if you don't, then you got a problem. Cause I ain't got no problem with telling you about yourself. You know. You fit in where you can get in, but with heart. You get in where you can get in, pero perder la ternura jamás. This made me think of yet another Alice Walker quote. She once said she felt doomed to the kind of insanity that the pampered oppressed always feel, and for which there seems to be no remedy except enlightenment regarding their plight followed by active exercise of the insights of their awareness. So, what I was hoping we can do is, I'll bring you a beer, we sit on your porch, and I ask you questions for... How many questions, right? We'll talk uh, to you. you know, just five. Five, that works. <laughs> you don't get to do right now. Oh, you have time right now? Pick the thing up. Oh, okay, please, I like please. Well, I don't really say please too much. So you look. Well, I like please. I'm teaching oh. my kids. What? I'm teaching my kids to say please. Damn kid they, they, yeah, they, probably. They need, they need to learn some gangsterism. We need to teach them. <laughs> that was culturally insightful of Fred, that I am most likely the type of mother driving my kids to be nice, to be conscientious. As a Brazilian mama, it can get worse though. Like, don't jump on couches, take off your shoes, wash your hands, put on your coat, eat fresh food. Here's a recording I made without intending to. Our twins were six. 
If you want to, you can take over the video again. Yeah, if you want to make tantrums. Not enough. Peace or harmony. None of them. Can I speak now? Yeah, peace means that you can't take away things. Yeah. Harmony means the same. Then you have to leave it flat. Okay, I'm going to try again. We sat down as a family just to make sure. You're saying the same thing again. You never let me finish, so I'm going to try again. Okay. We sat down as a family just to look at what the expectations are for our days to go by nicely. And well, then it isn't fair if we get our springtime taken away. You guys should get your screen. Let me talk, Mama. You know, <laughs> Mama. You know. Remember this next time you get to that point and say, okay, come up with a strategy. Take a walk outside. We wouldn't mind. We were trying I offered an extra video game day in exchange for letting me use this recording. They both have a point here. How is peace and harmony to be achieved? Where do we meet each other? Are you seriously recording all of this? Talking is tiring. It's circular. Having the privilege of choice and reflection, I feel it's my responsibility to examine my assumptions, my decisions and way of life, and to let my children witness how I grapple with learning how to be in this world. That is all just to say that to reflect, negotiate, and choose compassion can feel like a lot of work. I mean, I got it's a lot of work to do like when I first met your ass. I don't like you. I don't like you. I not damn about you. <laughs> I know you was getting on my nerves. Kept running in your mouth. <laughs> it said, mess with my nephew about the music in his car. You know, still talking about the babies were sleeping there. You know what I mean? When we were finna have our Fourth of July blow up and everything. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, but uh, you see how it mellowed on out. You did. So, you know what I mean? So, you know, you just, you know, to each his own, you understand? You got to get the feel of people, get to know them and everything like that. Then you can't judge the book by its cover, you understand? You got to try to read a little bit of it and see what see what it's like in the, in the, few, in the few of the paragraphs. Read it a little bit to get, get to see what's actually in there, the context, contents or whatever I'm gonna call it, you know. I went looking for other local perspectives, so I sat down with Alan Silver, the president of our neighborhood association. The, I think the question might be, um, are the values you're bringing to this interaction uh, with your neighbor about noisiness or livability or respect? Are the values you're bringing the same ones that he's going to bring? You know, he, he or anybody else might say that kind of noise and that kind of disturbance is okay for children to experience flat out. You know, that it's not um, negotiable for him. That children don't need to be coddled that way or whatever. You know, like, I, and I'm just guessing, but, you know, if he, let's say that he grew up in an environment that was really noisy, you know, and he may well believe that it's not something it's not something that other people should take offense to it's something that they should be acclimated to perhaps that's just a guess about what his experience might be our mother taught us from the beginning to respect one another so this is this was something that we always talked about i called my brother to make sure my family theory wasn't a fabrication i'm richard i'm a journalist we say richard in brazil Brazil is so corrupted in so many ways that it seems that the law doesn't apply to anybody. That I had a, an expectation when I moved to the U.S. that things could be different. Like in my apartment, you find a rent contract and it's 
states that you can make loud noises after 10 p.m. and still people do it. It seems like they're not acknowledging that they don't live alone in this world or at least in my apartment building. I see what you're saying. There's the nuances and potential cultural differences, but there actually are written rules. There's spoken rules. And those those are clear. If I respect it, why shouldn't you? And I think you should respect because it was if, if you, everybody does what they want, it's just going to explode. What about in Brazil when you drove after drinking? Looking back, I know now that that wasn't responsible, that that wasn't right. It's a growth process also. You need to evolve after all. UNESCO's homepage says that lasting peace rests on these complex and fragile daily practices in local settings. From these ephemeral encounters that we maintain out of the conviction that they lead to sustainable conditions for living together in dignity. What kind of beer do you like? Uh, only 840. Well, can I bring you something I like? I don't think white people do that. You don't know that I'm white. I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I, I will say what I'm saying. What, what did you do? <laughs> when we finally agree on a day, Fred asks me for a pack of Newports and a fifth of black velvet. I say yes, because even though I'm drawn to people's stories, I don't like the feeling of just taking. So in this way, we're exchanging something for something. This ain't no damn fifth. It isn't? Yeah. It's 100. She's not king. You gotta take me back. Oh, you're kidding me. I said one king. You did You did not tell me. I did kings. I, 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 I don't smoke nothing but kings. See the box over there? Even if I get it wrong, I'm trying here. In fact, we're both Thank trying. You, How long that thing record? Uh, it records a few hours. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a really good sound. I love it. I can't okay. wait to put the story together. And of course, I'll bring you a copy of the story. Okay, right on. Appreciate that. When it's done. Okay. Thank you. All right, Fred. All right, babe. You take care. Okay, bye-bye. I thought a lot about these unspoken rules I was looking for. I wanted a validation of a righteous family culture that turns out wasn't very productive in the end. Here's Alan Silver again. I'm not necessarily interested in harmony. That, that doesn't, um, that sounds too utopian. I'd rather get out and scrap with people and figure out what, what it is that they need. Um, sort of keep that um, conversation open and recognize you're just not gonna get everything you want. Like you have to tell that to yourself and you have to tell that to the people around you. It took us a while, I think, to like understand your perspective, especially because we don't have kids. And it's just, it's a different life and it's a different schedule from what we were living and what we were used to. Will lives next door. He is the drummer in the band that practices in his basement. There is some justice in this as I've practiced in basements and I don't remember how careful I was about who lived around me. Karmic symmetry, you could say. We would play super loud, like late into the night and no one seemed to mind and stuff. We would try to like, tell people when we were having like bigger parties and stuff, but. Will and his fiance lived between Fred and my family. They were sweet, but we struggled with their noise for almost four years. We were relieved when they sold the house and left. Here's Will talking about Fred. When we first moved in, he's got, he's very particular about people parking in front of his house. And we parked in front of his house a number of times and so did our friends. And every time he would come over here, and yell and bitch and scream about people parking in front of his house and how we had no respect. It was his way, I think, of like, kind of establishing himself as like, 
I've been here. I know how this neighborhood works. You're just some punk kid who bought a house and like wants to live in my neighborhood. This is my neighborhood. Seems my expectations about noise and Fred's expectations about where people park their cars were both coming from our ideas about how people should behave when living around each other. We didn't feel like we had to compromise like what we were doing, kind of in the same way Fred didn't feel like he had to compromise like with people parking in front of his house. Like we thought within the law of like not playing after 10 and you know not being like too too loud like we didn't care kind of beyond that so yeah it was, it was definitely hard it was it was just trying to get to a point where like we could understand each other and a lot of that had to do with like us being lazy about like really putting more soundproofing and it wasn't until like I mean, the more we got to know each other and the more like we tried to put ourselves in your shoes that we, I think, got a, a sense for how hard that might be with two twin boys who are like toddlers. I remember Will's last party, the big farewell one. They brought us wine and a sweet cart, but for me it just meant we were not going to sleep that night. Of course I had tried earplugs, white noise, shut windows, a pillow over my head, but nothing worked. So I walked outside and started talking to a guest on their porch. Now I try to imagine it from her eyes. The crazy lady from next door telling her to look up at her bedroom window. Do you see how close that is? If we think about our neighbors as like mysteries that we don't necessarily have to solve, but we have to, you know, we have to have something um, that we can talk about with them. Here's Alan Silver once again. Sorry about the microphone bumping around sound. And I don't want to say common ground, because uh, it could be something ugly. We could, you know, we could be talking about um, how different our ideas are about something um, very local. 18th century philosopher Rousseau says that by entering into a social contract, we place restraints on our behavior, which make it possible to live in a community. His book has been read both as a totalitarian endorsement and a fundamental democratic statement. Nowadays, individual freedom is very important, but we don't seem free. There isn't much meaningful interaction with one another, and the possibility of working together for something greater seems daunting. Perhaps the notion of a social contract or the common good also feels unattractive because we seem more preoccupied with self-expression as opposed to a more humbling and anonymous collective effort. Do you feel part of a community here? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm part of the community. When I first moved here, I made the part, do they feel part of my community? This is my area. Hmm. So you can't move in here and think you run nothing. You just run, and when you move up in here, you just run in your mouth. You know what I'm, I'm gonna put you in check if y'all think you're lying. You see what I'm saying? I don't give a damn who you is, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, if you can't go with the flow, you know, if we can't live and let live, then you need to move on and go somewhere else because we're not going to get along, which we all get along and everything. I know everybody, everybody, I know everybody over the block all around. So, yeah, we get along well. I do know yeah. that. Yeah, huh? I know that. Yeah. yeah. The UN predicts that the world's urban population is expected to surpass 6 billion by 2045. Learning to make cities livable will be a great public health challenge. Learning to be a smaller part of a greater whole 
is our challenge. The neighbors, the neighbors are all used to parties here now anyway. You know, and generally, if you have one that gets really, really loud, you either talk to the people about it the next day or just figure out well, that was just a loud one. You heard Bob in the first chapter. He lives across the street. He's retired after 22 years as grocery checker at Fred Meyer, and he was in the executive committee of his union. You can hear construction noise in the background, which is basically the sound of Portland right now. Well, when you live in a city, you're going to have to put up with a lot of stuff that you normally don't particularly enjoy or want to listen to. In a city, you learn how to give people their own space because they're coming from so many places. You know, you touch on a very important thing for me. I used to, I think I used to, I might still believe a little bit that there's an unspoken social contract that is based on this idea that we are aware of other people around us. And with this awareness, we try to be good neighbors. You have to tolerate, yeah. There's nothing wrong with tolerating someone. You just, you just, you do it because as you spend more time with them, you find out they're tolerating things about you. It's pretty much, you know, I think there is a social contract, but it's not written in stone because everyone does their things differently than the next person. If someone's going to raise a lot of hell, eventually the neighbors just get up about it. But, you know, it's never been, you know, I don't see that happening in this neighborhood. So I think we all pretty much care for each other. And, you know, everybody likes to have a good time. And sometimes you better come over and have a good time because we're going to be, you know, we're going to be out late. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You just watch out for each other. We are all our brother's keepers. I haven't come to terms with loud noise, but I believe in a more nuanced social contract that inspires us to know our neighbors and do the hard work of finding ways to live in peace together. The binary model is crumbling. It's not you versus me. It's often not a simple right or wrong. It's just our beautiful, messy, noisy complexity. I See You is produced, edited, and mixed by my mama, Carolina, and Carolina Orcada in Portuguese. In this episode, original music by Jesse Stevens and closing track by Connor Madigan. And it's colder when you're lonely once again. Thank you to Jesse Stevens for voiceover and interview post-production, as well as mastering. Special thanks to my Northeast Portland block, Alan Silver, and my brother Hishar. Family argument used with permission. Thank you, guys. This project got off the ground with the Regional Arts and Culture Council grant and Caldera's 2018 Artist Residency. My gratitude. Music by Italics and Zaki L, used with permission from Oligopolis Records from Portland, Oregon. I don't know if I'm pronouncing anything right. La Musique Electronique de Niger by Maman Sani et Son Orc, used with permission from Sahel Sounds. Ascension by Low Leaf and Crazy Way by Iman Omari, used with permission from Fresh Selects from Portland, Oregon. Thank you for listening to my mother's stories. I am not sure what they are about, 
I think they are about about the nature. Really? About the world. Sure. About the block. Sure. I don't know. I don't know about this stuff. Kind of like I think, like, okay, I'm bored. I'll think about that stuff. That's totally fair. If you don't think about what do you think about? I don't know. I don't know. I'll make a very sad thought about that. Imagine there are many ways to live. But neither you or I give a damn about what it means to live. to live.